So we priced, we designed it, built it, priced it so that it could be covered by the specially adapted housing grant for veterans. It's like the the great irony of the tiny house movement is that they're so affordable, yet nobody can afford them because there aren't really great ways to get funding for them. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 114 with Julie Leinberger. There's no shortage of innovative and creative uses for tiny homes, and today's guest is no exception. Wheelpad produces universally accessible prefab home additions that help keep people with disabilities home with their loved ones. In this interview, I sit down with Julie Leinberger, the president of Wheelpad, to talk about the why, the how, and how much. Stick around. But first, I'd like to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Tiny House Engage. Have you been working on planning or building your tiny house and feel like you want to connect with other people, get your questions answered, and just support each other along the way? Well, Tiny House Engage is the community for you. Tiny House Engage brings together tiny house hopefuls and DIYers to share plans and resources, learn from each other's challenges and mistakes, and celebrate our successes so that we can feel less alone while we build faster, safer, smarter, and cheaper tiny homes to embrace the tiny house lifestyle. Whether you're a tiny dreamer who is still figuring out all the systems, plans, and everything you need to go into your tiny house, or if you're actively building, Tiny House Engage has the resources and members to connect with for you. There are professional contractors in the community here to answer your questions about plumbing, electricity, and ventilation, and there's also plenty of interaction between members. If you need some encouragement or just need to know how someone else solved a particular problem, you'll get those answers in Tiny House Engage. I'm also very personally active in the community, answering questions and keeping an eye on things. So if you want to interact with me, this is a great place to do it. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. All right, I am here with Julie Leinberger. Julie is a successful entrepreneur and president of Wheelpad L3C. Her past success with LineSync Architecture, a green and sustainable firm in southern Vermont, garnered numerous awards for both design and business management. A previous career in international development included managing and participating in projects for the United Nations Development Program, the International Rescue Committee, and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees Throughout the World. As the past chair of both the Green America Board of Directors and Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility Board of Directors, Julie has led many workshops and is a consultant on various aspects of business management. She's also involved in various community efforts and in maintaining positive, healthy work environments both at LineSync Architecture and at Wheelpad L3C. Julie Leinberger, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you. This is kind of fun. Good, good. Well, that's, I mean, that's my aim for us to have some fun. Um, so what is the Wheelpad and, and where did the idea come from? Wheelpad is a 200 square foot accessible bedroom and bathroom that can attach to an existing home. So if people have mobility issues, 
rather than being um, away from family, you can make it so they're with family while they figure out a long-term solution. And it came as an idea. Our, my husband and I have an architectural business, Blind Sync Architecture. And our godson became quadriplegic shortly before his 26th birthday. He was a videographer for extreme skiers. And when the person he was doing a documentary on, Simon Dumont, won the X Games here in our local mountain, Mount Snow, there was an accident in the pool at the celebration. And it was the day before Riley's birthday. And all of a sudden, they're not coming to join me for brunch. They're off to the hospital fighting for Riley's life. Oh, my gosh. Fast forward, Riley survived, and um, before the accident, he had been offered a job with Nike. He was an extreme sports videographer to do editing and things like that. Nike honored that commitment, and he moved to Portland, Oregon, once he was fit through rehab and finished the documentary, and he could not find an accessible rental in Portland, Oregon, of all places where a caregiver could help him in the shower. And he was virtually forced to live in a hotel accessible room because most hotels these days have accessible hotel rooms for, for nine months until he found a place. He finally did find a place and um, rented there, bought a house, which he came to his godparents to say, hey, will you help make this ranch house universally accessible? Which we did. And while we were meeting with Riley, my husband came up with this idea. Riley, what if there had been this accessible bedroom and bathroom that you could have attached to your mom's house or your dad's house? And then you wouldn't have been so isolated because when you're in a hotel room, all the friends he had, you know, like he, he didn't have the bandwidth to go out to dinner. They couldn't come in and cook for him. And it was a very, very difficult time when he was already um, looking to... Uh, redo his life in a different way. So it was born, born out of necessity. Yes, it was, and love. And Riley is a a minority owner in the company. Fantastic. I I get the sense that that Wheelpad, as a company, likes to include the clients in the design process. Absolutely. Well, that's for the line sync architecture part. Now we are manufacturing wheel pads, and we have at the moment two versions. One is the Norwich model, which is 200 square foot model, and it attaches to a house. We just are rolling out our XL. The XL was brought about, and again, just building on what you said, we had a man that had ALS and he knew he was losing his mobility, and his family brought him to see a wheel pad. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do this. This would be great. And the man who is just just one of the most wonderful men, always looked at the positive side of things, always a twinkle in his eye, said, you know, it's just not gonna work for me because it can only fit a double bed. And I may be losing my mobility, but I want to sleep next to my wife. So we built the normal wheel pad is eight foot six wide, so it can fit on all the Department of Transportation can be towed anywhere without a permit. But we built him one that was 12 feet. So we did have to crane it into place and deliver it differently than Will had. But he was very, very happy and he stuck to what was important to him. And we then developed a model for him. 
The next thing that we're doing right now in the design stage is a fully accessible tiny house. And we hope to roll that out this fall. Nice. Yeah. So what what are the differences between the wheel pad and a standalone tiny house? Like, are there things in the wheel pad that rely on the the main house? Yes. Um, a wheel pad really is just a accessible entry, bedroom, and bathroom. And then through a second door, we build a five-foot connector to connect to the house. And when we install a wheel pad, it takes a plumber about you know, half, half a day to a full day, depending on the situation, to hook up to the host home's plumbing system for water and sewer. And it takes about the same for an electrician to hook up to the host home as well. There are people that have put in a hot plate or a small refrigerator in a wheel pad, but really it be time when you have either a double bed or a hospital bed and whatever equipment you need, that a wheel pad is meant for that. When we're developing an accessible tiny home, the problem that we've run into is most tiny homes have a loft for the bedroom. Well, with an accessibility issue, that's not going to work. So we're trying to uh, work out things, but, but it will include a kitchenette and it will include, it'll be longer. It'll be a little, maybe a little bit wider. That's what we're trying to work out. We'd like to have it. We built the wheel pad with the idea that if someone had an F-350, they could just come pick it up, hook it onto the truck with their little ball hookup and drive it away, saving them on, on any delivery costs. We built it with veterans coming home, injured servicemen who unfortunately often need an accessible place to live and are in Walter Reed or various hospitals not because they need to be there anymore, but because they don't have an accessible place to go home to. So we priced, we designed it, built it, priced it so that it could be covered by the specially adapted housing grant for veterans, that the purchase, delivery, and installation would all be covered for the, with the SAH grant. In that, we made it eight foot six wide, so you could pull it without a permit. We're looking into if we, I mean, we, the length of a tiny house is going to be a little bit bigger than the 21 feet of the, of the wheel pad. So we're exploring all those right now and to see what would be most economical and accessible and that would work. I think that's fantastic that you're also thinking about how the funding will work for somebody who needs one of these. Yeah. It's a very important piece of the puzzle. And, and, it's like the, the great irony of the tiny house movement is that they're so affordable, yet nobody can afford them because there aren't really great ways to get funding for them. There aren't. That's true. And the, and the tough part is, is the ones that are affordable, often it's not something we would build. We, we are in southern Vermont. So when we built Willpad, for example, it's all with structurally insulated panels, or SIPs panels, for two reasons. One. We wanted it to be as insulated as possible for the weather here, and and also then for the weather in the south where it's really warm. And the entire ceiling, the entire roof is one SIPS panel, so it's impossible to have any leaks. There's nothing to leak through. 
And some of the tiny houses that we've seen in our research to build an accessible tiny house, there's no insulation. And and so when we're looking, all of our designs are incredibly um, as non-toxic as possible and eco-friendly. You know, there's good insulation. We have teeny tiny heater that people can't believe, oh, that's not going to get me through a Vermont winter. But we did all the calculations so it would. So it would be not any, not only as economic as possible, but as eco-friendly as possible. A lot of people with spinal cord injuries have chemical sensitivities. So we really uh, reviewed that as well to just be as eco-friendly in both in terms of economic and um, the environment. Is there anything special that you do to the SIPs to kind of ensure that the OSB and spray foam that's kind of inside of them stays inside of them? Yes. And now you're getting to the technical questions that I wish my husband was here to answer. (laughs) He does the design and all the specs and I run the business then. But yes, we, we do do that specifically for that reason. So that's really exciting also that you're manufacturing them um, and that it's, it's something that I'm assuming can, can, you can get quickly. What, what is the timeline? You know, if somebody said, I want a wheel pad as soon as possible. Right now, well, we, with uh, COVID-19, we just sold out everything that had been manufactured. We've been very fortunate to be considered an essential business in that we have helped a couple of people move out of assisted living or nursing home to because the family had the COVID-19 fear. They said, okay, let's, even though the nursing homes are doing an amazing job, what they do do for, for our society, these people wanted to bring their father, this one family that was just two weeks ago wanted to bring their father, grandfather home. Uh, he, they felt he didn't belong in, the, in this nursing home he was in. So as an essential business, that was great because we got permission to keep working. And we have another one of a similar situation being installed in the Cape in two weeks. So now we just started production on, on our, next, our next five, and those should be ready in about eight weeks. And then we'll keep going. Nice. And do they come like fully, I guess, done? Like trim is up, the walls are painted, like it's ready to move in. Exactly. It's ready to move in. Just need the, to uh, create the five foot connector. And also hook up the plumbing and, and electricity. We use a non-toxic finish on the floor and we have, you know, we, we have it trimmed out so it looks good. When we were developing it with Riley in mind, Joseph says, you know, this is not going to look like a hospital. It's not going to look, it's got to be the coolest room in the house. And it is, it looks really, really nice. We're also in the move in right now in process of applying for a FEMA grant for apparently FEMA has grants for those who are vulnerable to housing issues and we're, so that we can produce more and more rapidly. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Tiny House Engage. Tiny House Engage members are also able to listen live as I record these podcasts and interviews and ask questions of our guests. So if you're a big fan of the show, it's a great way to get an inside look at the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast and get access to episodes weeks or even months before they go live on the feed. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. 
Yeah, I was going to that was actually going to be one of my follow up questions. You know, are you looking at other kind of programs that could expand who wheel pads are available to um, beyond just veterans? Yes. Well, actually, we've only sold to two veterans (laughs) in all the ones we've sold. Most of them have been to the elderly. Uh, Three of them were for a school in New Hampshire called the Hampshire Country School. They're ahead of the curve and they were building new faculty housing. And so they bought three wheel pads and made them into one house, so to speak. But each faculty member has their own. So when they have faculty members that have mobility issues, they're already ahead of the curve. So although we built these originally first with spinal cord injuries for extreme sports people and then quick, and quickly shifted to veterans, now we're finding we've had a um, man with ALS, we've had people with cerebral palsy, and now the new um, customer group is the elderly seniors who families want their loved ones with them. Someone said, oh, yeah, it's like you've got portable protection for the ones you love. Yes. So we, we're finding that different people are finding us to use WheelPad in a, a multitude of of issues. One one family says, okay, I'm going to get a wheel pad for me and let my daughter and her family move into my house. And I have my own separate space. She can do all the cooking and cleaning. So it's a great journey. Yeah, it's probably less expensive than putting an addition or, or like, you know, adding a floor onto your house or. Yeah. And, and it's a lot di- less disruptive. It takes, it, it takes a week Max, usually about a week of construction to have this accessible addition onto your house rather than six months. That's fantastic. What what are the laws around, you know, placing one of these? I would imagine that everywhere you put one, the laws are different. Do you work with with the customer on kind of getting getting them approved? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And this new version that we're I just went into production uh, at the beginning of this week on the reason we are creating a version four is every single municipality, it seems that we've dealt with, has a different code for the plumbing. So some want a one and a half inch, some want two inch, so they want a, a pipe on this side of the drain or they want on that side of the drain. So what we are doing is constantly evolving to make it as simple as possible to get these permits approved. We work with the landowner or the homeowner to go through the entire building process, getting them whatever, the permit process, getting them whatever drawings they need for the permit and that sort of thing. Normally, the builder who's going to build the connector pulls the permit. But in some areas, we've had people that says, well, our builder doesn't pull permits. I said, okay, fine, I'll help, I'll help you walk through it. When in Vermont, in the rural areas of Vermont, it, it, it's very interesting because we had placed one that within a week, the town decided to change their, their zoning and permit process so that this family could have a wheel pad as soon as possible because there was, had been a boogie boarding accident and someone in the community, a well-known person in the community, they wanted them home. So that versus we put one in in a, one certain area outside of Boston and it fully took nine months to get the permit because they gave the permit and then they pulled it back and then they gave it again. 
So, but we stick with a customer <laughs> through the whole way. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that's a, that's a great service by itself, you know, that, that, that's, that you're getting that with your wheel pad because yeah. it just, I couldn't imagine, you know, if you are dealing with somebody who is maybe newly injured to also try to be dealing with like your local planning board and like getting permits and dealing with all that, it just could be a lot. Yes, it could be a lot. What, what kind of foundations are going underneath? Like what, what kind of site prep is done before you just plop one of these down? Yeah, it's interesting. It depends on what the client wants. Um, some people who are leasing them and just want it temporarily, we put down, um, we flatten the space for it, put down a, a load of gravel. And then depending upon the height of the house that we're connecting it to, we either jack it up or take the wheels off to lower it. And so we want as smooth a connection to the house as possible. So that's for people who want it temporarily. And other people have used the most economical, if you want a permanent placement, is using helical piers. We found that very, very useful. We also had a, a man uh, recently who well, he decided he wanted a full foundation underneath the wheel pad because that was going to be his new wine cellar. Now, that was obviously a bit more expensive than anything else. But we work with the customer to go, okay, what foundation is going to work for your situation best? But those are the three most common. So you just said something that I, I didn't realize. The, the wheel pad, the standard wheel pad, is on a trailer? Yes. that's that's We built it on a trailer so that, like I said... It, there's, it's so well hidden. I didn't... Like, looking at the pictures, you don't even know because they've just been so well kind of integrated oh. into the site. Thank you. That's exactly what we, what we wanted to. Yeah, they sit on wheels. Um, again, it was meant for ease of delivery so that you, if you, you know, a crane has a lot of extra expense. So the Norwich model, the normal wheel pad, uh, you just hook it up and it, it, I pulled it. I pulled it once with a F-250 that you can do it, but I don't recommend it, especially in the hills of Vermont. But if you have someone or a friend with an F-350, it's just easy to hook it up and pull it. And the trailer is made for that. We, it has its own license plate and everything. So if you're going to keep it on wheels, if you think you're going to use it for maybe two years or less, that's what some people want to do. At risk of, of, of two technical questions, this is for my own curiosity, yeah. because I actually am in the process of moving my tiny house from where it's been for the last six years to a new location. It's a tiny house on wheels. and yeah. You know, I just parked it right on the earth and it's just constantly going in and out of level and moving. It's going to be a whole situation because it's really like sunk in its way in. So I'm curious about the helical piles because uh, I've looked at them. How exactly do you set them up after after the house is in place and then you kind of put them in under the house or do you set them first and then like somehow pull the house in around them okay so if you're using the helical piers that's normally for a permanent use so yeah. the people that have used the helical piers we actually have skids on the trailers and so we skid it off the the trailer 
onto the helical piers. And that's when you need a, a, a crane for. Okay. So the ones that are keeping them on the wheels, what we do is the trailers are built with jacks and we jack it up on concrete blocks. And then that prevents the wheels from digging into right. the, um, to the earth. Okay. Okay. Got Boy, it. I'm starting to answer the technical questions. Yeah. I, like it. <laughs> I mean, I think you, I, I, I have a feeling, you know, the answers to most of them. Most of them, not the construction aspect, though. <laughs> well, with SIPs, I would imagine that they do get constructed pretty quickly. They do, yeah. And we have a, a, a vendor that's just worked with us from our first prototype on. And as we continue to improve or tweak each version, they're, they're right beside us, and that's great. And then that's we awesome. have various builders that we've worked with to do the fit out. Yeah, so I wanted to ask next about that, the connector. Is that something that, that you also kind of sell with the wheel pad, or is that like a custom thing for each each job? Yeah, there's no way to, uh, um, to, cut, to standardize delivery because of locations. We can't standardize the connector because of different house configurations, and we can't standardize the ramp because, again, it's going to be different in each location. So those are in addition to the purchase of the wheel pad. What we do do is work with the with the the customer's builder who's going to build the connector to get them all the material they need, all the specs that they need to build the connector. And everyone has been extremely different. We had one family that actually decided they didn't want to connect it. They just pulled the wheel pad right up to a deck. And the deck connected to the house. So there wasn't any covering, but that's what this family wanted. So they still hooked up the plumbing and the electricity to the host home, but they, they chose not to build a connector to someone who wanted a connector that had a, a, uh, has a plexiglass roof to let in lots of light to then the standard, you know, just regular roofing material connector. So we really work with the client. To how is it going to look best? on their particular property and in, in, um, in an aesthetic way that, that they want it to. Nice. So what, if you don't mind me asking, what, what is the cost of, of the Norwich wheel pad? It's 65,000 and we're trying everything we can to bring that down. But at 65,000, like I said, with the specialty adapted housing grant, a veteran can still purchase, build the connector, have it delivered, build their ramp, for um, under the SAH grant. That's fantastic. We'd love to break it down. At the same time, we don't want it to be some cheapy thing that someone's going to have to put up extra insulation or something that's going to break or something that's not going to work. So we really want to sell a quality product. Definitely. What's the, what's the furthest away wheel pad currently? Uh, let's see. I think the Cape. Okay. Cape so it's still very much kind of here on the East Coast, are are you yes. hoping to to send them out further? Yes, we do, and we hope to within the next two years establish a manufacturing out in Central Oregon as well. So that that's we're working towards that. Not not haven't been able to do that yet. We're a startup. We're just getting going, and um, what we chose to do also was register as a L three C, which not all states have. 
it's kind of a hybrid between a nonprofit and a limited liability company. And what that means is a low income limited liability company. So we have um, our, our, our uh, business plan, our laws of incorporation, et cetera, is that no one's going to make a killing off, off working for or selling wheel pads. We want this to be a service to people. So when we are about to go for our, our first round in investment, that is in all of our paperwork that, yes, people can make an investment and get a return on that investment, but it's not going to be a return on investment like some of the other investment opportunities people will have. Wheelpad really is about service. It's about inclusion. It's about keeping families together at the most economical price possible. It's a great mission. I think, I mean, clearly it's, it's struck a chord and it's, it's working because how many have you, how, how many have you sold to date? Seven to date. Nice. Seven to date in the last two years. And right now I have orders for three. And I think that's because of COVID-19. Yeah. Who, who would have thought, you know, that this is the time that, you know, you would want people, you know, this would push people to try to, you know, get home. <laughs> yes. And everyone's everyone who has brought their loved ones home is just so amazingly thankful, which just keeps us going. Nice. For for any veterans listening, if they're interested in, you know, looking into this further, would would Wheelpad be the starting point or do they have to go to some like Veterans Administration website first to like look into the financing and then come back? No, we help people go through the whole veterans thing. The first time we did the specialty adapt, um, specially adapted housing grant, oh boy, that was a huge learning curve because we weren't even on the prefer. We weren't even on an approved, um, uh, uh, what would they call it, construction list, approved builder list. So it took us a year to get on the approved builder list, and now we're supposed to be on all builder lists, but. The Veterans Administration is a very big organization, and I've talked to a couple people in different locations where they didn't get on the list that their person gave. So we have all the paperwork. We all have all the backup. So I would suggest a veteran give us a call, and we'll help them get through the SAH grant if, if they're eligible. That'd be great. Nice. Well, one thing that I, I like to ask all my guests is what are two or three resources? Um, so that could be books or people um, who inspired this project and, you know, that you think might be helpful for our listeners to, to hear or learn about. Well, the number one inspiration is Riley Poor. He, was an ama- he is an amazing videographer still. He and his partner, Andrea, have a, um, they call it Poor House Love Lab. And they are dealing with accessibility issues in so many different veins um, with their work. They're, uh, they're working right now to embark on a cross-country trip in an accessible camper and to, to explore accessibility issues. And they are very inspiring people, and they, they just keep going. Riley in how his life has transformed from this videographer of extreme skiers to this um, beacon of light and um, advocate for universal accessibility. It, 
It's pretty amazing. And he's pretty cool. They have two, uh, two, two, Shinu Ibsu, I don't know, some, some fun dog. She, Shibu Inu? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they look like mini huskies, right? Yes, yes, yeah. and that's adorable. So that's Poorhouse Love Lab. And uh, it, it's great. So that was really our inspiration. Interestingly enough, so it's, it's mainly people rather than books. But our insurance agent was a man that had uh, multiple myeloma. And he was with us every iteration of the way in developing. And one of our videos has, has, um, has him in there that's wonderful. He's, he since has passed away. I think it's really been the people that have inspired us. And one woman in Canada, her name is Julie Sawchuk, just wrote a book about, um, she was uh, rear-ended when she was on her bicycle and became uh, a quadriplegic when she was in her 40s, I think, with having two young children. And she just renovated her house and kept a list of everything that people should do or think about when, you know, whether it's counter height, which we're very interested, we've been discussing with her for our accessible tiny house or a variety of other things. And in her book, she listed wheel pad as an alternative to doing a renovation because some people it's not possible. So I really think that our, our entire path of wheel pad, it's been inspired by people and families who really don't want to do what people used to do in, in the olden days. You know, they'd kind of shut somebody away in a nursing home and go visit them and wouldn't really include them in birthday parties and things like that. And thankfully the world is changing. We're getting far, far more inclusive. And for everything we do to work towards helping people with that inclusivity, then we get inspired to do something else. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, Julie Leinberger, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today and for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. It's really been fun. Sometimes, you know, you don't put all your thoughts and all the things you're doing together in one place. And thank you for the opportunity to do so. You're very welcome. And um, I will post photos of, of the wheel pad and the wheel pad XL on the show notes episode or the show notes page for this episode and, and links out to wheel pad. But if people want to find you directly, what is the, what's the website? Wheelpad.com. All right. That's easy. I think we're going to leave it there. Julie Leinberger. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Julie Leinberger for being a guest on our show. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including links to Wheelpad and photos of their amazing ADUs at thetinyhouse.net slash 114. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 114. Also, don't forget to check out Tiny House Engage, my exclusive online tiny house community. You can learn more and register for access at thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.